welcome to this episode of the Event Manager podcast titled Analyzing the Changing Ecosystem of Business Events with Matthias Schulze. In this episode, we talk to Matthias Schulze, who is the Managing Director of the German Convention Bureau. We cover topics such as how financial crisis and pandemics change the way we work and meet because changes in business events mirror changes in society. We talk about how research allows us to anticipate changes in business events and we talk about what skills we may need in the future to run events. We talk about the interdisciplinary complexity of business events and how business events are the jewel in the toolbox of communication tools. We also talk about the need for creating great spaces and places for people to meet and how we need to partner with others to make the best case for business events outside of the industry. We look at how international understanding requires in-person meetings to build trust. And lastly, we look at how technology must above all benefit attendees to be successful. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Event Manager podcast and don't forget to subscribe and maybe even leave a review of the podcast. Thank you. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Manager Podcast. I am Miguel Neves, the Editor-in-Chief of EventMB. I'm joined by our Deputy Editor, Dylan Monarchio, and our special guest today is Matthias Schulze from the GCB, the CEO of the GCB. Thank you for joining us today, Matthias. It's really nice to have you. Thank you very much for having me, Miguel and Dylan. It's a great honor to be with you today. It's our pleasure. Excellent. So um, I've been reading a little bit about your background. We've we've met before quite a few times, especially at IMEX and, and other um, other times. But I realize you 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 had a career through Hilton and then at the World Conference Center in Bonn, and you have now been with the GCB, the German Convention Bureau, for uh, is it eleven years, something like that? Exactly. It's eleven years now. I, I started May twenty ten with IMAX taking place in Frankfurt. And that was only a year or a year and a half after the world financial and economic crisis hit our industry. And now more than 10 years later, another event hit our industry again. So it's <laughs> every 10 years, it seems to uh, that our industry got uh, hit by another external event. Well, how has the pandemic changed the, the role of CVBs, do you think? Well, the, the, the role of GVB, uh, CVBs has changed since, well, they have been founded. And the German Convention Bureau has been founded back in 1973 already. That was even 17 years before we celebrated the reunification of Germany. And um, if societies are changing, the way we meet, the way we communicate, the way we collaborate will also, also change. And um, 
meetings and events take place since human mankind exists. And we have all these fireside gene in our DNA in order to meet, in order to build trust, in order to gain knowledge, in order to drive innovation. That's what we do when people meet each other. And because of that change, which in our societies, the role of CVBs is also changing. And, and we believe that especially megatrends such as digitization, uh, globalization, demographic change, but also sustainable development, they are currently presenting CVBs with completely new challenges. And that's what our role is at the moment, helping to translate these challenges into possible um, actions and activities which, which we need to start in order to face and embrace uh, these changes and challenges. That's really interesting. I wanted to uh, just bring back one thing that uh, wanted to make sure that all the listeners also uh, understood. So uh, German Convention Bureau, uh, main uh, Germany DMO, destination marketing organization. But I think there's one thing really interesting about the German Convention Bureau, which is the the, the way it's funded and, and, and the kind of bodies that make it up. I wonder if you could just make sure that I'm saying the right things and clarify that for me, because I know there's lots yep. of different funding models around the world. And I believe you're uh, funded by Lufthansa, Deutsche Bahn, and there's one more company, right? That, that is a big part of, of how you, yeah. how you work. Yes. It's uh, we were founded by uh, three strategic partners, which is the German national tourist office, German Lufthansa okay. and the German railway company. And we are supported by 450 members that's the hotel chains, the hotel operators, the convention bureaus in Germany, but also the exhibition companies and professional congress organizers. Those 450 uh, members also support um, the work of uh, the German Convention Bureau. And we are headquartered in Frankfurt, the home of IMAX, and uh, run another office in Beijing, as well as in New York City in order to stay in contact with our customers and potential and important stakeholders all around the globe. And our task, of course, is to um, promote Germany as a destination for business events on a national as well as on an international level. And another key task and key objective of the German Convention Bureau is to be um, an innovator in the business events sector. Mm -hmm. This is why we run many research projects and collaborate with national and international research agencies. And I hope that we can speak a little bit about our research today as well. Yeah, of course. In fact, you recently published the, uh, the Future Role and Purpose of Business Events Report along with the Fraunhofer Institute. Can you tell us about that project and, you know, what you set out to discover, what questions you were trying to answer, and how you how you went about the research? Yeah. Well, we started already back in 2015 uh, with the foundation um, of the Innovation uh, Network Future Meeting Space, as we call it. And we teamed up with the Fraunhofer Institute, and the Fraunhofer Institute is Europe's largest application-oriented oriented research institute which helps us to create um, profound research results which we can share with our industry and the idea behind um, the future meeting space innovation network is to systematically anticipate relevant developments in 
the business and events industry. And that's why and we do that because we want to identify um, future developments and want to create requirements um, um, and recommendations for action for our partners in Germany, but also for the international community, for all the potential customers and event managers who plan to run and organize uh, business events in Germany. And that's, that's why we started that um, uh, feature meeting space um, innovation network. And it, it really focuses on three different um, um, topics uh, which we like to highlight. And one topic is, um, that's what we're looking for, is which developments are important for organizers. As I said, venue operators, investors, suppliers and service providers, but also for destinations in order to plan and organize successful events in the future. And the second um, focus lies on what are future-proof event formats and what kind of new requirements do they come with? And the third focus lies on the question of how can participants with their individual requirements be placed at the center of events and their needs to be taken into account as a central component of an event's objective. That's more or less the, the reason why we initiated um, that uh, innovation network. And it works in different phases. So each year we create a new research phase with, a, with one key question, which we and our partners want to get the answers to. And this is why we started in the beginning of 2020, only a few weeks, a few months before uh, Corona hit our lives. We started um, the third phase of our um, research innovation alliance, and that um, looked into the following three topics. That was firstly, what role will events play in the communication mix of organizations in the future? The second question was how, um, Based, based on this question, how will requirements and skill profiles change of all people involved in that in running an event? And the last topic we were interested in was um, to get the answer on uh, for how can events be measured using success factors in prerequisites. So that was more or less the, the, the motivation of why we started that innovation alliance. Okay, I think that makes a lot of sense. Are you able to expand on on how the how that piece of the research was conducted. I mean, I know that, that there were a few different phases, including a yeah. 500 participant survey, followed by um, like a Delphi survey to yeah. to incorporate to interpret yeah. that data. Yeah, we we use different um, methodologies, and the Fraunhofer Institute is a very holistic and interdisciplinary institute. They run, uh, I think, 57 institutes all around uh, Germany and Europe. And with 20, 25,000 um, employees, and they have experts in, in different fields like architect, but, architects, but also scientists from uh, so sociology, from psychology, IT experts. So it's from all different sectors of science. Um, they can get all their insights, their perspectives, and uh, the results of the latest research. And that helps us a lot because business events are quite a complex um, um, system. And that has to do with psychology, with sociology, when it comes to the user experience. 
that has also to do with architecture when it comes to building and uh, and uh, renovating conference centers and hotels, for example. So it's quite a um, holistic and interdisciplinary approach. And the methodology was on the one hand in, that we invited user um, groups and uh, focus groups. Um, the user groups and focus groups where um, uh, the participants uh, came from different sectors, uh, event plans from corporations, but also associations and agencies, but also um, experts uh, from the um, IT sector and, and many other areas. And the second methodology which we used were the Kano model, which is an, uh, was um, created by an, a Japanese professor many years ago and is very often used by the automotive industry in order to get a better and deeper understanding of the potential um, uh, what what the, the customers of um, um, of the automotive industry are looking for when they're looking for new cars, for example. What are rejection features and what are enthusiasm features, for example? What's the real USP for selling a car and what is just a rejection feature? And, and that was a very interesting methodology. And we tried to better understand from a user's perspective, from a potential um, participant, what will be the key enthusiasm feature for him or her if uh, to attend an event and what for example will be um, a rejection feature so that was only um, two of the methodologies which we used and a third one is the the delphi survey with you which you probably uh, know quite well so that was more or less the methodology which we used um, over the period of um, 12 months or a little bit more than 12 months that was the entire a phase um, which we use in order to get a deeper understanding of what's going on in the market. Okay, cool. And so, I mean, just to, just to clarify, my understanding of the Kano model is basically that um, because you mentioned a rejection feature and an enthusiasm feature, uh, mm -hmm. if that's coming up, I want to clarify. So rejection feature is one which, um, which people don't really care about uh, to the extent that if it performs poorly at all, then people will act actively that will detract from somebody's yes. uh, satisfaction with the product. An enthusiasm feature is one that no one is expecting, so it can only improve somebody's satisfaction yes. with the product. Um, yes. So it's basically operating against like what a baseline satisfaction level for yeah. whatever product yeah. would be. Um, and, and excitement features are basically gravy. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if, uh, if it's there, great, but nobody's looking for it, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so that, that portion of the research consisted of, I, my understanding is 500 German participants, uh, roughly 40% planners, um, uh, 30% attendees, and 20% yeah. vendors. Were those attendees attendees of industry events or were they attendees of just all events in general? Uh, both. Both and, and the, the attendees not only came from Germany but also um, from Europe and, and even um, beyond because we wanted to have a better understanding. That's what we always do during the future meeting space um, research phase that we I want to gain a better understanding of not only what's going on in Germany, but also what's going on in the rest of Europe and the rest of the world, because sometimes, you know, there are some findings um, uh, in different areas of the world, which help us to get a better and deeper understanding of the customer's perspective. And that's what always, um, what, what we are always focusing on. It's the customer perspective and especially uh, the perspective of the delegate 
um, or the potential uh, participant, because that's what we believe will be the driver, that the participant will be the driver of the change of in, in the business events uh, industry, not only today, but also um, tomorrow. Right, that makes sense. And I, I noticed that the first like third of the report is all just the participant data. And I think it's really, it's notable that in conducting the research, you ask each group different a different set of questions that pertain yeah. specifically to their perspective. So can't wait to dig into that. <laughs> are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So, Matthias, um, I mean, fascinating amount of research and, and level of detail uh, and complexity. And kind of two questions come to mind for me, which one is, um, well, not really a question, but a statement. I think it, it exemplifies how how interesting our industry is of events and how many dis disciplines and, and how complex it is. And, you know, some people say uh, event planning is not rocket science, but it almost sounds like rocket science when you go to this level of research and understanding preferences, et cetera. But I guess the, the question for me is, were you, were you surprised with the findings? Uh, you know, and you went to this level of research, which I think is quite unusual in, in terms of uh, the depth of the research. And, and did you find things that were different to what you expected or what you'd read in, in other um, research? Yeah, that's um, a very good question. And some, some of the results really surprised me and others were more or less, yeah, okay, that's really no rocket science. Um, and the, the thing is, for me, it's it's not only about are the results surprising or not. For me, it's to get a deeper understanding of the complexity of our industry. That's exactly what you said, Miguel. It's it's so complex, and at the very end of the day, if you um, analyze um, the ecosystem of the business events industry, and that's what we do in our next research phase, which, which has already started, and we will publish the results. Uh, in autumn this year, um, we are focusing on the ecosystem and the changing ecosystem of the business events industry. And because the ecosystem is changing, it is growing on the one hand, um, and it's drifting into another direction. And we want to better understand what that means for all the players which are involved in the business events industry, even the new uh, kids on the block, which are now part of our ecosystem. Um, and that's that's the key motivation behind all the research. And um, and I fully agree with you that the complexity comes up uh, as soon as you try to better understand what how the system works. And um, this is yeah, this is the interesting part of it. Uh, for me, the surprising thing really is that how how complex it is. And a scientist just said a few months to us that business events or events in general, he said, are mirroring our societies. Because if our societies are changing, the way we meet, collaborate, and uh, um, communicate will change too. So it's more or less, uh, well, just a mirror of what's going on in the world out there. And so it's a, it's a lab for, for all of us. That's, That's really fascinating. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. 
so you mentioned earlier that the research you conducted started it was a it was over a year long period when did when did that research start i know that this um, particular report was the 2019 2020 project did you run into any challenges uh, in in terms of validating the research against the changing environment that you're that you're trying to qualify your forecasting against and do you think that the the research that you conducted over that period kind of still holds true or is there some you know, some modifications yeah. to the analysis that have to be made, that yeah. had to be made before publication. I mean, the the research design and and research question that were all defined in autumn 2019. So, and we didn't know about Corona and what's going on and so on. So, it, <laughs> but the question was, what is the future role of business events in the communication mix of corporations? Because that was the question our partners were interested in. Um, and that was more or less a question coming from the corporates who wanted to have a better understanding of what role will business, business events play in the future? And do we need other channels or other tools or will the business events change? Yes or no? And so on. That, that was, I mean, the, the center of uh, everything we wanted to know. And then Corona happened and no business events took place anymore. <laughs> And uh, immediately we changed, of course, the design of the research and we redefined the questions and everything because the question was now even more important uh, than before. And the, the key outcome at the very end of the day of the research is that business events will become even more important in the future than they were before Corona hit our lives. And that I, I can understand that um, because... Um, Everyone we asked who was involved in business events said that we have a great opportunity and a great portfolio of communication tools now even more than before Corona because we are now used to all these digital tools and everything. But the business event itself, be it analog, digital or hybrid, is more or less the jewel or the diamond in the toolbox because this is the pure interactive participative um, communication tool where you have direct contact with the community. And uh, this is and our life, be it the pro our professional lives or our um, uh, private lives will become more and more digital. And as they become more and more digital, it's more and more important to create spaces and places where people can meet and exchange information, ideas, and so on. And spaces are virtual and places are physical. And the, the, the difference between them is space, you can scale spaces, but you can't scale places. And that makes the difference between real and authentic and virtual and digital. That's good to hear. I mean, it sounds like you make an excellent case for, for business events in general and, and this idea that, uh, that they're super valuable in our lives. And, and yeah, I think that that's good to hear and hopefully generates demand. And, and, and I think importantly, you know, I think we talk a lot in the event industry uh, about ourselves and about how we want to see and how we believe that events uh, are irreplaceable, but it's good to see some scientific evidence and also hopefully from the demand generating side that, that there is demand and that people recognize that. Uh, and I was wondering if you have any insight into 
how to do that, right? Because it's it's good that we do the research. It's good that we understand this. But how do we how do we get this research in front of the people that demand that you know that generate the demand for events so that we make sure that they understand that as well? Well, I think that's currently it's it's like a well like a big adventure. Uh, it's um, no one really knows uh, how it works. No one really knows. Does it work or does it not work? And we have to try out new things. We have to create new concepts. And that's what we have to do with partners. On the one hand, we need partners. Partners coming from the demand side, partners coming from the supply side, they need to partner up, to team up in order to create new ideas, new concepts and test and evaluate what they have experienced. On the other hand, we need research. We need evidence-based information which we need to share with the communities in order to show, hey, this works, this doesn't work. We did, for example, a test lab back in September last year, which we called BOCOM, Borderless Communication in the Digital Age. There we partnered up with Research Institute, with hotel chains, with corporations, big corporations like Siemens, um, AV companies, and a very diverse and interdisciplinary group of companies and people and we created that multi-site conference which took place in different places at different places in the world at the same time we did one hub in berlin that was the central hub we did one hub in in new york another one in madrid in spain in shanghai in tel aviv and we interconnected all these destinations and additionally people from all around the world were able to attend uh, virtually only. And, and that was so complex at the very end of the day from an organizational point of view. But that's what we wanted to understand from the different perspectives. People are in different rooms, in different destinations, in different moods. Even they don't breathe the same air. They don't smell the same. They, you know, it's, it's all different. It's multi-sensory. And we really tried to better understand um, from a user's perspective or a user experience, um, what does it mean for the different people? So we asked our scientists, the psych psychologists and the sociologists to help us with uh, creating um, polls and surveys, which we asked the participants um, to, um, to attend in and to, to fill um, in order to better understand what that, what that means for the different um, user groups. And there's, again, some of the results were, okay, I knew that before, and that's, you know, common sense. Um, and then other um, um, results were quite interesting, especially if you combine those results from a user experience, for example, with the CO2 footprint of a multi-site conference compared to a traditional conference format. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. And what you're what you're saying about the hub model as it pertains to sustainability is really interesting as well. I noticed that in your report, um, thirty five percent of the of the participant respondents support a hub and spoke model with smaller local experiences. Um, again, this is based on information that was collected sort of this time last year. Um, but uh, our <laughs> our friend Shauna McKinley has also just produced uh, a tool that helps people to evaluate their carbon, the carbon footprint of their events as compared to you know, virtual components and how travel impacts that. 
which we'll be covering soon, so stay tuned. Um, how do you see the hub and spoke model affecting uh, affecting events, like in terms of you know local domestic markets being able to benefit from those, um, and also potentially their impact on on inter on international events? And is there anything from the from the report that kind of indicates what that might look like as a future scenario? Yeah, uh, one key outcome was that international understanding, which is key um, for international events, international understanding can only happen at physical and real face-to-face -face and in-person events. Diploma diplomacy is a thing which can only happen, you know, if you run an international conference uh, on climate change, people need to meet in person, need to meet in smaller groups, need to align, need to uh, build trust, need to build relationships in order to create results. So that's that's a very clear answer. So international understanding needs physical meetings in order to build trust. That's what we see in politics in, in the world at the moment. It's more important than ever when it comes to international understanding. On the other hand, when it comes to knowledge sharing and, and so on, then it's easy to use digital formats to listen to keynote speeches, to listen to presentations. That has to do with implicit or tactic knowledge on the one hand and explicit knowledge on the other hand. Explicit knowledge is it's available on a data uh, stick, it's available on a computer. It's external know-how, which is not linked to a specific person. You can download it, but that does not mean that you got it and understood it. And on the other hand, we have the implicit or tactic knowledge, which is linked with you as a person. That's what you have experienced. That's what you as a person know. And that's that can easily be shared with other persons during uh, physical and face-to-face -face, um, meetings. And this is the real power which can be unlocked um, during um, personal encounters and, and personal um, gatherings. And that's what we see. We see different developments. On the one hand, we see, and that was described in the report, like the event loop. So events will take place more often. Maybe they will become smaller and more regional, but that's like the hub and spoke model. You offer more physical touch points to your community because they want to meet in person. And on the other hand, you offer the digital platform where you can meet them 365 days a year, distributing content, um, offering on-demand uh, presentations, keynotes, or whatsoever. So that's a little bit, I think, the combination which we will see in the future. Um, the demand to meet in person is there, and there's a big appetite in the market, um, but maybe that will take place um, more regional and in smaller groups uh, for a certain period of time. And of course, domestic, strong domestic markets will be the drivers in these development. And luckily, Germany is the largest um, domestic market within Europe. Um, so for, for us, this is important to um, um, get ready also for this new kind of um, business events, the hub and spoke models or the event loops or how, however you call it. Interesting. Great. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I really would like to expand a little bit more on that, the, the kind of knowledge models. And it, it sounds like, and I've seen this in other sources, you're saying that it, we need to make meetings about the discussion about the really, you know, the interactivity between people and that those kind of political settings, I think are very good examples of that. Um, but it, in my experience, meetings are still a lot about just delivering communication. And are you starting to see shifts in this direction? Or do you expect meetings to be much more in that direction? Or are we kind of still trying to do the old method and, and, and we're going to have to learn it the hard way? Well, I see a clear shift um, in this area. And all, um, business events, the typical business events, let's say it took two days maybe, uh, and it took place once a year. So that was, well, a silo thing that only took place for two days and then it was over. And in the future, we believe, and that's also a clearly um, uh, underlined in the report, um, we see that business events will become omni-channel marketing tools because due to digitization and the digital transformation, we are able to um, extend the content which was created or is created during conferences, for example. We can extend the reach. We can share the knowledge which was created or the knowledge which was shared during a conference with a bigger audience. We can um, offer um, additional um, channels which the community can use in order to get in contact with the distributor of, of the knowledge. And this is why we believe that the event loop in combination with the omni-channel approach will make business events even more important in the future than they were before if we are ready to um, see the opportunity that the business event is a multi-channel or an omni-channel um, um, tool and not only something which happens uh, in a certain, on a certain date in a certain uh, destinations and then it's over and we get ready for the preparation in let's say another 362 days. Very yeah, good I mean, we're, oh, we're definitely seeing a lot of that from the event tech vendor side. You know, we, we see a lot of companies creating uh, 365 uh, engagement, that idea that uh, technology can bring communication and, and content to people all year round. Uh, but I have to admit, I'm a little bit skeptical and I, and I just wanted to get your view on it. I think it, it's possible with technology it, it, and we can make it available and we can do it, but I feel like there is excitement around events, right? We, we are event professionals because we, we plan these moments of interaction. We plan this, this, these business events that are really exciting. But if that, if that content and if that, that kind of communication is, is trying to be spread out all year round, do you think that that's realistic? Because uh, I'm, I'm doubtful in terms of, you know, gathering that energy around the topic, if it's always available, where do you see that? Well, that's a very good question. I think um, the answer comes from the delegate and not from the event owner or the event planner or the supplier. Um, and I did an um, um, executive education program before Corona started uh, back in 2019 
at the Stanford University and uh, at the Hasso Plattner Institute in, in, in Germany. And that was all about digital transformation and innovation. And the focus was always on the customer or on the human at the end of the day. It was always human centricity. It was always about human centricity or customer centricity. In our case, I would call it delegate centricity. And we have to look what the delegate is looking for. And that's what we have to understand. And then we need to build the appropriate and um, customize and tailor-made services and products. It's, I, I fully believe that uh, people will change their um, demand behavior. Um, that's what we learned from, you learn it day by day. I learned it during that pandemic, especially. And you can see it in, in our societies that uh, the shift from one um, use case to another use case, look at the uh, entire trade market and look at the online trade market and what's going on there. Look at what happened at the media uh, market 10 to 15 years ago. That was more or less the same situation which we have now for the business events sector. Uh, suddenly through the internet, um, everything was available for free and you yeah. didn't go to uh, your um, to, to buy the, the, the daily newspaper because it was there, it was available and it was free. And the same situation is, uh, that's what the business events industry is focusing at the moment. Suddenly I receive invitations for free from hundreds of <laughs> possible events which I could attend. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the information overflow which is um, which we have at the moment, and this 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 is why it's so difficult to um, to convince people to attend these online events. Um, speakers, it's difficult to get the right speakers because so many speakers are available now from one to, from one day to another. You can you don't have to fly the people from Sydney to Frankfurt. You just you know invite them to attend uh, the meeting online. So that's changing definitely. I, I fully agree with you, but I, I believe that uh, the customer, the delegate, he or she will drive the change. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You want to make it available. You want to make it easy for people, but then ultimately the, the markets, the, the attendees, the, the, the consumers will, will let you know what works and what doesn't. And I, I guess we have to learn from each other to figure out exactly the, the best way to do that. I'm curious, to, I'm curious if that's also going to be the case in terms of the development of technology. One of the, one of the key things uh, that, I, that I really appreciate this report for is the emphasis on looking at specific features and trends mm -hmm. that, um, that attendees are looking for. Uh, for example, 35 to 36% of event participants surveyed said they would be excited about a feature that lets you easily search, filter, and compare events of interest. So that's a very kind of Eventbrite model, right? But it's hard to imagine other longer-term, for example, 365 event platforms doing that because that, in some ways, puts events in competition with each other. So it might be a detracting selling selling proposition for them. So. Uh, you know, obviously delegates will want to drive the, the content related stuff, but in terms of actual features and the formats that take place, how do you see the delegate interests being balanced with the other interests? Well, I mean, 
there's one uh, feature um, which came up at the Kano model um, survey. I think 40, almost 40% of the participants um, were very um, enthusiastic about the so-called transcription feature, meaning you attend a conference online or on-site, that doesn't matter. And there's something uh, going on at the panel or um, you hear or listen to a keynote and the last minute of the keynote that there was one sentence you said, oh, that was great. And normally you you forget it or you don't write it down uh, or you don't really remember it. Um, and if you had a transcription feature, you could press record in that minute and then you get the last minute um, as a file on your mobile phone, for example, and you can use it and you can you know, uh, share it and so on. Um, and that is something that is a great benefit for the attendee. But is it a benefit for the one who runs the conference as a business model? If everyone who is in the conference can you know, record, copy and share um, the exclusive result of um, that conference where he or she had paid maybe a lot of money in order to go there. So that's all the questions uh, which we need to take into consideration. And that leads me to the next topic or next point. What we are looking uh, uh, to, uh, to what we are looking uh, for in, in the next phase as well is what new business models will be created in that new ecosystem because we have new players, we have new requirements, we have changing uh, and changing ecosystem, and that will automatically leads us to new business models. And that will be very interesting, I think, for our industry as well. And um, what, how could that business models look like, and who will be the winners in the future when it comes to those new business models? Hmm. Fascinating, and I, I know one of the I know one of the projects for this um, one of the objectives for this report was was to illustrate I think it was six future scenarios. So I'll be looking forward to to learning more about that. I happen to have the stat that you were referencing in front of in front of me. Um, Thirty six percent of respondents would be enthusiastic about a feature that lets them uh, highlight things in real time. Incidentally, um, I know, you know through little birds whispering in my ear that lots of different tech platforms are now implementing automated um, automated highlight reels that use yeah. engagement data like uh, you know likes or you know how many viewers exist on a, in a particular moment or how many comments come in for a partic particular moment to just pull out the highlights uh, yeah. and package those for on-demand content later. So they're listening. <laughs> I was it's kind of related to that. I was wondering, you know, from the way the, the GCB is formed and, and other TMOs, do you think that the people that will develop these business models and also the virtual event tech platforms will become also members of destination marketing organizations? Or is it a completely different industry and, and there's no real connection there? No, I think um, we should be open uh, to welcome those new kids on the block. We are in, at the German Convention Bureau already have a program in place which um, enables us to get linked with tech companies, for example, um, who run uh, super interesting and innovation solutions. 
we, the German Convention Bureau, have founded uh, together with PCMA and um, the IMEX group, we have founded the so-called response room, which is an open innovation platform where you can submit challenges and the community can help you to find solutions or to get answers for the challenges which you are uh, sharing with the community at that platform. Uh, that's an open innovation uh, platform that is used by many large corporations in order to uh, invite the entire company to solve uh, problems which a certain uh, department may have. And uh, we have adapted and modified a little bit that system and that it's a service as a software program. And it's open to the entire business events industry worldwide. So everyone is invited uh, to be part of the response room community in order to share um, ideas or to comment on certain challenges. And that's what we believe is um, the future of our industry that uh, it's not only us or a certain part of our industry who is ready to solve certain problems or challenges we are facing, it's, it's all of us. And, and those who are ready uh, to share and those who are ready to go the next steps that's those who will probably survive. And uh, I, I really like to quote um, a very famous uh, scientist and researcher, uh, Charles Darwin, who said at least 150 years ago already that it is not the most, um, it is not the, the strongest or nor the most intelligent um, who will survive, but the one who is most responsive to change. And I think these days show us exactly that change is the new now absolutely no very very positive outlook and, and i appreciate that matthias thank you so much for for your time and for joining us this has been a, a fascinating conversation uh i wanted to wrap up really with with two requests uh one is uh where can people connect with you or, or find information about you or or the gcb if you if you let us know and also uh, a question that we're asking all our guests, which is if you have a recommendation for, for someone else that we should be interviewing on the podcast. Yeah, great. Uh, first of all, thank you very much again for having me. It, it's a great honor and it's always good to, to speak to both of you. And I remember uh, Dylan, I think the last time we met in person that was at the PCMA Convening Leaders Conference, either in Pittsburgh or in San Francisco. I don't know. That's yeah, that's that was long. In San Francisco. It was a long was, time ago. <laughs> that's a long time ago. So um, I'm I'm more than ready to meet you both in in, in person. That would be um, a great. Um, that would be a festival. Let's put it this way. And um, um, all the information which we uh, just discuss or research and and all the other relevant information for those of you who are interested, you can find that at our website www.germany/meetings.com, or you follow me on LinkedIn, um, and I'm more than happy to get in touch with you um, in person or just uh, virtually through Zoom, WebEx, um, you name it. And you just ask me who to interview um, um, within one of the next post podcasts. There come, uh, come two uh, names into my mind. One was Miguel, uh, Miguel you and uh, Dylan. Maybe you should interview uh, you both each other. And 
<laughs> yeah, you are so deep. Uh, um, you have so deep insights through all the interviews. So maybe we should uh, turn it around. And next time I will interview uh, you both. Um, or what I also think is very interesting, who you could or should get in touch with, is Ben from Maritz. Um, he has really great insights and he's very well connected um, on the one hand with the supply side, but on the other hand with the, with the demand side as well. So he could be someone um, you could um, interview. Perfect. Great. Yes, I know Ben well and uh, definitely uh, make sure to ask him to be a guest on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com. 